Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. Today we're going to talk about a very uncomfortable topic, but a topic which is an inevitability for most, if not all of us. We're going to talk about how to handle loss, and in this case, great loss. Our guest today is Dr. Ann Clark, author of Healing from Great Loss, Facing Pain and Grief to Recover Your Authentic Self. Is it possible that going through the devastating experience of such a great loss can become medicinal? Can loss become the impetus to developing an awareness of the authentic self? The answer to both questions is a resounding yes, and we're going to learn how that happens in today's show. If you're experiencing, have experienced, or will experience a loss of any kind, this show is for you. Stay right here today. So let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Clark. Dr. Ann Clark, a retired professor, is a Michael Newton Institute Life Between Lives facilitator. Her work has led her to look for the gift in life's difficult and challenging experiences. Several years ago, she suffered the unexpected loss of her adult daughter and has since developed a specialty in healing from loss, offering great loss workshops. Dr. Clark holds a Ph.D. from the University of Chicago. A gifted writer and speaker, she is co-author of Wisdom of Souls, winner of the 2020 Cover Gold Book Award, and Healing from Great Loss, Facing Pain and Grief to Recover Your Authentic Self. She's also the recipient of the prestigious Peggy Newton Award. So welcome, Anne, to the show today. I'm so glad to have you here. We're going to have an interesting conversation. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Okay, well, let's just jump right in. This is an excellent book, and it's a very healing book, and it offers exercises that people can use to have for their own personal growth. And uh, so I, I want to know first, why did you decide to write this book? I had such a difficult time with the loss of my daughter. I had lost my mother and my youngest brother before the loss of my daughter, and those were very painful losses, but the loss of my daughter hurt so much worse and was so much more difficult. And I found that even though through my spiritual work as a life between lives facilitator and all the knowledge that I had about death and dying and the afterlife, none of that really helped me escape the grief that I felt after the loss of my daughter. And it was the most miserable time in my entire life. I vowed during that time that were I able to find a way to heal, a way to find life again, to enjoy living, to go on, that I would tell others about how I got there and try to help them through this difficult journey. It's a beautiful vow to make. Thank you for the right. Thank you for sharing your pain. It's a courageous book that you've written. You're very honest and vulnerable in the book, and, and it's uh, also a lot of great information. It's very, very helpful to dealing with loss. So thank you for writing the book. Okay, so let's, let's talk about the difference. What is the difference between great loss and just loss? Well, for me, 
as I mentioned, I did experience, I experienced a divorce, the loss of my mother, the loss of my brother, and all those were very painful losses. But the loss of my daughter was something else. It was much worse. And I ended up terming this as a great loss as opposed to other significant losses in my life. Because at the time that I suffered the loss of my daughter, I wasn't really connected with my inner guidance. Uh, My daughter had a difficult experience. She was robbed and raped and was quite broken after that experience. I ended up bringing her back home to live with me to help her recover. And practically my every waking moment was dedicated to trying to help her heal. It was not as if I stopped my professional activities. And from the outside, it probably looked like I was functioning normally. But inside, all my attention was directed toward her. If she had a good day, I had a good day. And if things were not going well for her, they didn't go well for me either. So during that time, even though previously I'd had a strong connection to my inner guidance, that slipped away while I was so focused on helping my daughter heal. And so when I lost my daughter, I did not have that strong, stable connection to help me through it. And it was as if my whole world just crumbled so that so to that me that's the difference yeah between a great loss and other significant losses yeah and all losses are significant so you're not diminishing the loss of the significance of the other losses but you're just aware that this one has a greater impact it does it takes longer to heal and what i found out is that there are things that we need to do to get to the other side of the grief experience We need to rebuild the foundation of our lives because it's been upended through a loss that occurs when we're not in touch with our inner guidance. And that is what I set out to do in this book. My book is not for people who have just experienced a loss. Initially, we all need to go through the traditional stages of grieving. Uh, We all need to go through that. But if we've experienced a great loss, at the end of all that, we may still feel empty inside. We may feel lost. We may feel like we've lost all zest for living because we need something more to heal from a great loss. What we need to do is reconnect with our inner guidance and rebuild the foundation of our lives. And that's what my book tells us how to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you've you've alluded to the fact that you your daughter you lost your daughter and that you sort of took a lot of time taking care of her when she was raped and robbed. She got PTSD and agoraphobia. Is that correct? Yes, she she had severe anxiety, severe depression. And uh, agoraphobia, which is her fear of being in a situation that she felt she couldn't get out of, 
led right. to her being afraid to leave the house. At times, she was even afraid to open the door when someone knocked. So she did suffer <clears throat> from some severe psychological after effects from that experience. She was in, under the care of a psychiatrist and was heavily medicated during most of that time. Right. And then she died really suddenly. Would you mind sharing that with us how that happened? Yes. Well, we had a, a, this actually went on for more than just a year. It, it was actually several years. And during that time, she had ups and downs, but she never was actually able to return to work or to her normal social life after that, even though before that, she'd been a vibrant young woman, socially active, working at a job that she loved and doing very well. But she never really was able to recover after the experience, even though she did have ups and downs. But that last summer was really up. She got into a relationship over the Internet with a boyfriend that was very bad for her, had a lot of ups and downs with that. But she ended the relationship midsummer, and she started doing better than I had ever seen her do from the beginning. She seemed to be getting much better. She was getting herself, with my help, off dependence on her psychotropic medications. She was making plans for the future, starting to look for a job, thinking about moving into her own apartment. And so I decided to go ahead and have the knee surgery that I'd been putting off uh, while I was caring for her. And I actually went into the hospital to have that surgery. The plans were that she would take care of me afterwards. And I was really looking forward to that special time with her. I did have the surgery. She stayed with me in the hospital for two nights. But the third day, we were not able to get in touch with her. And so I thought maybe she was just sleeping. It's hard staying up at night with someone in the hospital. But the day after that, we were not able to reach her either. So my significant other went and checked on her and found that she was lying in her bed, unresponsive. Paramedics were called, and she was pronounced dead at the scene. For about 12 weeks, we didn't know what happened to her. The coroner thought perhaps it had been an interaction between her asthma inhaler and a new depressant medication that she'd been put on. It was not until about 12 weeks later when the toxicology reports came back, that we learned that she had died of a fentanyl overdose, street drugs. I was shocked because I had no idea that she was using street drugs. And also, she had been doing so well. I was also shocked that she had this very significant relapse. Yeah, that's quite a shock. It's it's, it's kind of like a double whammy. You've got 
her uh, sudden death, which is always, any death is difficult, but a sudden death is more difficult. And then on top of that, the the new information about things you didn't even know about when she was alive. That's that's a real double whammy. Yes, I have to say I was hospitalized at the time, post-surgical. I have never been so miserable, both physically and psychologically, in my life. And it was a true awakening for me to go through this experience and heal from it. I thought that I was very connected before, and I I really was in many respects. But the experience of this loss allowed me to go even deeper into my spirituality, make a stronger connection with my inner guidance, and really live the life that I was meant to live. Very good. I'm glad it had that outcome. So let's let's go a little bit deeper now. According to your studies at Newton, who are we as souls? According to the groundbreaking work of Dr. Michael Newton, who wrote the books Journey of Souls and Destiny of Souls, we are souls. Our true home is in the afterlife the spirit realm. As souls, we come to earth and join with a body to learn lessons, to learn and grow and build our soul character and advance toward true enlightenment. Dr. Newton not only developed information about our life as souls, but also devised a method to allow us while we're still alive, to visit the afterlife, make a connection with our soul and wise beings who guide us while we're on earth, and to learn more about what is the purpose that we set for this life. Dr. Newton pointed out that we set a specific purpose for each life that we live on earth. We also come up with lessons that we want to learn We choose our bodies, we choose our families, we choose the people that are going to come into our lives with us, other souls who incarnate with us and play significant roles in our lives. However, we have free will and things don't always turn out the way we had planned that they would. So when we when you say we have free will and things don't always turn out the way that we planned that they would, how do those two things interact? That the soul is really there, uh, and and we are we are souls, but we we are. For more example, human. we may have planned to marry and have children, but we have free will, and perhaps as a young person. We might change our mind and decide through free will that we didn't want to follow that path at all, that we didn't want to have the experience of raising children and learn all the lessons that could come from that, but rather we wanted to pursue a career and learn other lessons. We have free will to do that. And also, before we came to earth, we may have planned with another soul that the two of us would get together at a certain point, perhaps marry or perhaps work together, 
on specific things, but either we or the other person, through free will, might decide to do something different. But the soul is still involved and can still work with us. Yes. Okay. But But we have free will. What happens when we incarnate on earth, when we are born, joining with the body as a soul? We experience what we call incarnation amnesia, and that's we forget who we really are, and we forget why we came here to earth, what we came here to learn, what our purpose was. If we did remember all these things, it really wouldn't be a very authentic experience. In a typical school, we're given information and then we're tested on it. On earth, we're given tests and how we respond is how we learn. So that's what we're doing here. We're, we're learning. Yes. And I do life between life sessions in my practice. The typical person that comes to me has lived between 700 and 1,000 previous lives. Wow. That's not true for everyone, but that's the average. Very interesting. Very interesting. So the soul's view, we have just a, a, just a little bit of time left, but I, and so we can start this, and if we can't... Well, let me just say this. The soul's view of life here on Earth, then, is that it, it is... We are uh, a part of the soul. The soul is, I think of it a little bit like a clam shell. With the, the clam is up in heaven, and the, the leg of the, uh, the clam is digging around here on earth. <laughs> and uh, that's kind yeah. of fun. <laughs> and we're learning, the, we're learning things, but it all impacts the soul. So yeah. we're going to, yes. So the soul's view of life here on earth is that we are actually a soul having. A, a, a physical experience, and yes, so we'll that's correct. Okay, okay we'll and talk part some of more our about soul that. Energy always remains uh, in the spirit realm. That's our true okay. home. Okay. All right. So we're going to talk some more about that right after the break. We'll be back in just a minute with more from Dr. Clark on her book, Great Loss: Facing Pain and Grief to Recover Your Authentic Self. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Broaden your mind. Open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Simron, author, publisher, and life mentor, broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. On Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, Dr. Veerdra Jackson presents stories and powerful guest experts from business, health, relationships, and faith. Every story has its flip side. And we are here to delve into the story and challenge you to view what has kept you in a singular mindset 
and turn it into the flip side. When you can effectively do that, you'll experience necessary growth. Tune in live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You have the power to be stronger, live fearlessly, and enjoy the benefits of a great life. Listen for Fearlessly Authentic with host Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody has proven at an age when many start to slow down that she is just getting started. With two grown daughters, a successful business that she started at 50, a finalist in the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, and a two-time world bikini champion, she's ready to take you to the next level in your life. Fearlessly Authentic airs Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Dr. Ann Clark about her book, Healing from Great Loss, Facing Pain and Grief to Recover from Your Recover Your Authentic Self. Um, and what we've just been talking about is what the soul is and what we're really doing here on earth so that we can have that perspective as sort of a foundation for the rest of our conversation. So uh, at some point after great loss, you tell us we ha- we, that we have a defining moment. What does that mean, and what choices are before us at that time? Yes, yes, I do talk about defining moments in my book, and what that is is we cannot stay in the acute grieving status for too long. Eventually, we become restless, and we feel the need to move on with our lives. At that point, we may not be healed. We probably aren't. We're still very sad, still feeling very badly, but we're going to start making some decisions that will define the direction our lives will go after the loss. Big defining moments in our lives are such things as deciding what career to choose, deciding who to marry, but the defining moments that are important after loss are smaller ones. We don't know when a defining moment is coming. They come unexpectedly. We'll make a split-second decision about what to do in these instances. But those defining moments will move us in one direction or another. We don't know when defining moments are coming, but we can prepare for them. And we can do this by planning and visualizing what we would like our life to be like in the future. Then when a defining moment comes, we can make a decision that takes us in that direction rather than takes us in another direction. I'll give you an example from my situation. After I started feeling restless, still really not healed, but wanting to move on from that 
terrible feeling that I was experiencing, I was offered a very large project. And I made the decision to go with that project, thinking it would distract me from feeling so badly and that I could then move on from the bad feelings I was experiencing. I started with it, but I realized that, yes, I could stay busy and stay distracted while I was working on the project. But whenever I had quiet moments, when I wasn't involved with the project, I felt even worse, even sadder. I felt even more despair. It suddenly occurred to me that I had made the wrong decision. I was not ready to go back to an active professional project. I still had a lot of healing to do. That decision took me in the wrong direction. So we always have a chance to reconsider. And this time, I made the decision to step back and take more time for healing. And that took me in the right direction toward healing. Okay. So actually, we can, we, since we do have free will, we can make choices that take us backwards or we can take, make choices that help us facilitate growth, more soul growth. And that, yes. that, that is what you mean by a defining moment. It gives us that opportunity yes. to make that choice. And I think we have many of them along the way. I think we have many small ones. One of the things that can happen to us after a loss, we can get involved in such things as perhaps spending too much time on the computer, just surfing the web or playing games, playing games on our phone, watching too much TV, doing various activities to distract ourselves, or we can even get caught up in drinking too much or even in taking too many anti-anxiety medications after a loss to try and protect ourselves from those painful feelings. But what will really help us is taking the healing journey, and that is what I outline in this book. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, there are a lot of spiritual leaders out there who tell us that the relationship goes on, that we don't ever lose a relationship really. So what does that mean with regard to communication with the, with the deceased person? Yes. <clears throat> well, um, I knew from Dr. Newton's work and from my work with Life Between Lives that we don't actually die as souls. Our souls are immortal. They live on. Our body dies, but our soul does not. I knew almost right away after I learned of the death of my daughter, that she was close to me. I could feel her energy. There were other signs. I even thought I heard her voice whispering to me at one time or another. There are many signs that occur after we lose a loved one that let us know that they're around. We might find objects such as feathers or coins. We might suddenly see their name on a billboard or in an unexpected place. We might find something that we know we put in one place, in another place, or there might be some spirits are able to manipulate electricity so the lights might blink, or when you've turned on the TV, it may come on again. 
So what we've learned from Life Between Lives sessions and past life regressions is that when a loved one passes uh, into the afterlife, they do stay around us very close. Initially, they try to let us know three things. One, that they're okay. Two, that they still love us and want to be part of our lives. And three, that they want us to be happy. They stay close to us. They try to get our attention and try to let us know that they're close by. Beautiful. Yes, I uh, I also think that, don't we also have dreams called visitation dreams that are very important in terms of that relationship? Yes. <clears throat> it was about two months before I had my first dream that I knew was a visitation from my daughter. What we've learned through our work in Life Between Lives is that when our grief is too heavy, that blocks us from being aware of a dream visitation or may block us completely from realizing that our loved one is near. So it was about two months before I had my first visitation dream. I had actually woken up and had come to sit on the couch and fell back to sleep. And it was during that time that I had my first visitation dream. I saw my daughter, Stephanie, sitting at her computer, and I was standing in front of her. That's not how her desk was arranged. Her computer was actually next to the wall. But in this dream, I was standing in front of her and could see her there working on her laptop. I asked her, what are you going to do today, honey? And she responded, I think I'll go for a ride. I asked her very eagerly, can I go with you? She gave me this Mona Lisa smile and said, no, it's not your time. And then I woke up and I actually looked around thinking that she was there. The hallmark of a visitation dream is it is very vivid. It feels like it's real. You actually feel that the person was right there. And then you realize, well, that this can't be. You also tend to remember a dream like this for months, years, or even forever. And it's a very special message from the loved one that you've lost. Yes. Yes. The body can also be involved in the grief experience, too. What is the connection between the body and the soul, and what does it mean when it comes to the physical aftermath of great loss? You talked about that in the book. We're holistic beings. Our mind, body, and spirits are very connected. And therefore, when we experience a great loss, our body and our psychology are deeply affected Some of the after effects of a great loss are that the possibility of an accident or an illness rise considerably after a loss. I urge in my book that you follow cautious practices when you're driving or engaged in any activity where you might have an accident because it's likely that you might become distracted during this time 
and not have your attention fully on what you're doing. So the possibility of an accident is greater. I also urge you to take very good care of yourself and if you have any symptoms, to follow up on those because the possibility rises considerably of an illness following a great loss. Shortly after I had my great loss, actually it was about a year, I experienced a bout of pneumonia and ended up being hospitalized with that. So the possibility of an accident or an illness definitely rises after a great loss. Also, it's common for us to have prolonged periods of fatigue, feeling very, very tired, no energy after a loss. Our appetite might be affected. We may not feel like eating at all, or we may may overeat, especially comfort foods. Our sleep is disrupted. We may have trouble sleeping at all, very disturbed sleep, or we may want to sleep all the time. And we may just simply physically feel not comfortable in our skin for a period of time after a loss. It takes time for all these physical manifestations to resolve. Psychologically, we may feel much greater anxiety than usual. We may feel fearful. The earth seems like it's not quite as safe a place as it used to be. We feel displaced. We feel that things don't work exactly the way we thought that they would, having experienced such a loss. Also, we find that our relationships may be changed a bit. Some people that we expected to be there for us may not be. That may largely be because they can't handle the grief or are grieving themselves. Or some people we were not that close to may have experienced a loss themselves in the past, and now they compassionately reach out to us. So we find that our whole social life may be disrupted following a loss. And we may find that we fear being alone or that we really want to be alone. So it's normal to feel very disrupted physically as well as psychologically following a great loss. All right. So those things are possible, but it's also possible to have some spiritual opportunities in a great loss. We have just a few yes. minutes before the break, but can you talk just a few minutes about some of those opportunities? Yes. I think great loss provides us with unprecedented opportunity to grow spiritually, to grow in our faith, to reconnect with our inner guidance, to follow a spiritual path in our lives, to follow our life's purpose, and follow the lessons that we plan to learn in this life. It's very common before a great loss for us to have strayed off the life path that we chose before we came here, and great loss gives us an opportunity to get back on the life path that we chose to get back to pursuing our life purpose 
and learning the lessons that we came to earth to learn. Okay, that's beautiful. And and so what, how would we begin to implement some of those changes? Uh, again, we just have a few more minutes before the break, but how do we begin to implement those spiritual opportunities? What, what do we do to make them? I think them- the very first thing that we need to do is we need to take the time and make the effort to heal following our loss. It doesn't happen automatically. If we don't take some actions, but rather just bury our hurt feelings, our pain, and our despair, it'll always be under there, and it will take tremendous energy to keep it down, and it will come up at the most inopportune times. So time alone does not heal. We must take some active steps to heal our pain. And I would suggest that anyone who's experienced a loss of any kind, not just loss of a loved one, but divorce, perhaps loss of career, financial ruin, the loss of health, a financial crisis, any kind of loss, take the time to heal from that loss. That means taking some quiet time, taking care of your physical, psychological, and spiritual help, health. It's a time to give yourself maximum self-care, to really take care of yourself in a way that you normally in your everyday living don't do. It's a time to treat yourself very gently and very specially and rebuild what has been lost through the great loss experience. Okay. All right. That's that's great, wonderful advice. So we'll talk some more about that right after the break. We're coming back to talk with Dr. Ann Clark about her book, Healing from Great Loss, Facing Pain and Grief to Recover Your Authentic Self. And we'll talk a little bit about that recovery right after this break. Stay tuned. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Things Worth Considering, featuring hosts Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis, is a program that's all about connections. The connections we make with our families, our workplaces, friends, and others around us. It's also about connections to ourself, spirit, feelings, and stories. Let us connect with you each week to explore who we are and what we can be moving forward. We can overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Things Worth Considering airs live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Tune in each week for Advancing All Women, hosted by Sarah Alter, the President and CEO of Network of Executive Women. Hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace. From advancing women of color to developing and engaging male allies to how to navigate the new workplace post-COVID-19, Sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues. Listen every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. 
Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Dr. Ann Clark about her book, Healing from Great Loss, Facing Pain and Grief to Recover Your Authentic Self. We're going to talk about that recovery in just a minute. But before we do that, Ann, I want to ask you if you will tell our listening audience how they might connect with you. Yes. To reach me, my email address is hypno, H-Y-P-N-O, Ann Clark, A-N-N-C-L-A-R-K, at gmail.com. Or you can visit my website at www.birminghamhypnosis.com. Beautiful. Yes, thank you. Um, I'm sure after this show you might hear from some of our listening audience. Uh, I would welcome that. Yes, yes. I hope that will be good for everybody involved. I want to follow up on our previous discussion about, we talked about a visitation dream and we talked about, um, uh, you know, uh, having things happen like the lights go on and off and the TV going on. Uh, What about actual conversations? How does that work? Yes. Well, before um, my experience with the loss of my daughter, I knew that this was possible. I knew a lot about it, actually. There's a lot of new technology being delivered, uh, developed, uh, electronic voice um, methods of hearing from those in the afterlife, but I myself wasn't sure I could really reestablish communication with my daughter, but I was very anxious to do so. And so I went to a program, which I describe in my book, by Dr. Craig Hogan, who's president of the Afterlife Institute of Research and Education, and followed his program. He uses, a, he uses uh, tapes, recordings that help you establish, re- reestablish communication with your loved one. I went through the program and I had planned to use the patio that my daughter and I used to sit on and have conversations as a place where I would try and communicate with her. But I was planning to do it at a special time when I had plenty of time. I was kind of in a hurry and I was going out the back door through the patio to try and retrieve something from the backyard. And when I walked out the door onto the patio, a sudden flow of words started coming into my mind out of nowhere. 
And what stopped me short was I heard the word hoodoo guru. My daughter had lovingly called me hoodoo guru because of all my work in the spiritual world. And that's the only place I've ever heard that word. I hadn't thought of it in a very long time. It stopped me short. I sat down in one of the patio chairs and I asked, Honey, is that you? And in her typical loving, sassy way, she said, Well, who do you think it would be? And it was then that we had our first conversation. And I was absolutely elated for days after that. I bet. That sounds beautiful. And the other wonderful thing I found out is one day I came home from a meeting at which things had gone very badly and something that I was working on just wasn't going well. I was tired, very discouraged, and I sat down in my favorite stuffed chair just to relax. And all of a sudden, I started feeling this familiar warmth. And the next thing I knew, I heard words from my daughter comforting me and telling me that everything was going to be okay. Beautiful. So those are just two of the episodes in which I've had actually, actually had conversations with my daughter. I've actually been able to talk to her and get answers back. Yeah, so uh, when you say, I heard her, does that mean you heard an audible voice, or did you hear words in your mind? Or I like hear it in my mind. Okay, okay. It's not an audible voice. It's telecommunication. Uh, it's, uh, it's in the mind. Okay, okay. I want our listening audience to know what they might expect. And to know how to slow down enough to receive it, I think that was what was critical for you, is that you sat down in the chair and you said, is that you? So Yes. Um, my first time that I heard from my daughter, I actually wasn't slowed down. But after that, when I want to communicate with her, I quiet down, slow down, and I definitely, in my mind, call out to her, to come to me, I'd let her know that I want to speak with her, and then I'm able to make a connection and have an actual conversation. I need to be centered, and I need to be quiet for this to happen. Right, right. Okay. So, can we talk about forgiveness and how this works now that the person is, is deceased? Yes. So, what is that I think process forgiveness like? I think forgiveness is a very important part of healing from any great loss. There were many things that I felt perhaps I hadn't done as well as I could have. I'm not sure that that's true in fact, because I did everything I thought I knew how to do at that time. But when my daughter, uh, when we found the report that she had died from a drug overdose, As a nurse, I felt very guilty that I didn't pick up on the signs from this. I felt very guilty that I had not helped her with this street drug problem uh, that I didn't even know existed, I, I guess. But I felt maybe there was something more that I could have done. 
that would have changed the outcome. So one of the things that I needed to do was I needed to forgive myself for doing that. Also, I did need to forgive my daughter for some of the difficulty that she put me through when she was having very hard times. That was not hard. Uh, I really almost didn't need to do that. But forgiving myself, I did need to do. And that was very difficult. I think we're very hard on ourselves. And the hardest part of forgiveness is forgiving ourselves for mistakes we think we made. Maybe we didn't even make them. Or even if we did, the point is to forgive ourselves, learn from them, and move on. Nothing is gained from guilt and regret. They should simply be dissolved, and we should go on through forgiving and loving ourselves. Yes, I agree. So we now that, and that's a part of uh, self care. We we talked about self care earlier, but I want to go into a little bit more depth. When you talk about self-care, a lot of people tend to think that we're, we're, we're bad for taking care of ourselves. We should be thinking about the other person that got lost or, or we should be thinking about other people or we should, you know, it's, it's selfish to do self-care. So what do you mean specifically by self-care? Well, first of all, let me say self-care is not selfish. We cannot really truly care for others unless we adequately care for ourselves. And after we've experienced a great loss, we are in desperate need of self-care. So let me break down self-care a bit. First of all, there's physical self-care. This is a time when we should care for ourselves very, very intensely. We should give ourselves adequate sleep and rest. We should feed ourselves very well, good nourishing foods. We should... Try to exercise and move around in a healthy manner. We should give ourselves special treats, such as perhaps a long soaking bath, perhaps taking a nice long walk in nature. We should perhaps give ourselves treats like having a massage um, for females, having your nails or your hair done, uh, anything that will make you feel special, feel better. We should find good books to read. We should take relaxing times, not push ourselves, and give ourselves quiet time to just relax and start to feel better. Psychologically, we should also give ourselves extreme self-care. And by by that, I mean we should do for ourselves what feels good to us. We should take some time to think about what we really want in the moment. We want to try as much as possible after we've experienced a great loss to live in the present moment. And we need to start asking ourselves, what am I feeling right now? One of the ways we can psychologically care for ourselves is to become more aware of our emotions, to honor them, and to do what we can to help ourselves through difficult emotions and allow ourselves to feel positive emotions. One of the things that we experience after a great loss is what I call a grief burst. And I want to share that when these grief bursts come on and we just feel like we just 
feel very sad in the moment. We may even cry. We shouldn't try to hold that back. We should just let it come. And one of the things that I learned from my daughter when we were having conversations with her in the afterlife is that when we do have one of these grief bursts, our angels, our guides, and our loved ones come and try to help help comfort us. And that is why they resolve very quickly. So to psychologically provide ourselves with self-care, when we feel sadness coming on, we should just feel it. Let that sadness come out. We should try to live in the present moment and try to honor our feelings. Thirdly, we should try to get our feelings out. I strongly recommend journaling, getting a notebook, and writing down your feelings. It can be very helpful to do this, and this can even be a way that your higher self can speak to you. You might write things that later you're surprised you wrote, but that are are very helpful to you. I think also this might be a time to meditate, um, to spend quiet time, to allow yourself not to go and do things that you don't feel like doing, to honor your feelings. So we need to care for ourselves physically as well as psychologically. And we also need to honor our spiritual selves. Yes. Most of us will have a question of why did this come up. Absolutely. And I'm sorry we can't finish that but because we're just about out of time. That was quite, I want to uh, encourage the listening audience to buy this book because it will help you to find, get in touch with who you really are. And part of the process of self-care that she was just talking about is how we get in touch with the authentic self. The authentic self will speak to us if we're listening. And, uh, and, and part of that is through journaling. Part of that is through meditation. All kinds of things that part of that is listening to our desires. Part of that is comforting ourselves. All of that can help us find the authentic self. And there's much more in this book that you really need to read. If you've had a significant loss, please go buy this book. And uh, if you wish to contact uh, her, she can be contacted uh, through the email address she gave earlier. And I'm sorry the show is ending because we could just talk about this for hours, but uh, we do have to end the show today. And so we'll be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week.